This is episode 36 of the No Limits podcast. Welcome back. The podcast is brought to you by Tangle Free Waterfowl. You work hard all year anticipating the small window of time you get to spend in the blind. How disappointing is it to get to that moment only to have your gear feel? This is episode 36 of the No Limits podcast. Welcome back. The podcast is brought to you by Tangle Free Waterfowl. You work hard all year anticipating the small window of time you get to spend in the blind. How disappointing is it to get to that moment only to have your gear fail? Tangle Free delivers gear that functions exactly as it's designed to every time, year after year after year. I always say don't waste your hard-earned time and money on gear that only lasts a year or two. Head over to TangleFree.com for panel blinds, layout blinds, decoys, and accessories. And because you are a valuable No Limits subscriber, you'll get free shipping on your entire order. Just enter promo code PASSION at checkout. Think about how much... You can save on bulky, expensive-to-ship items like blinds, decoys, and etc., etc., etc. Tanglefree.com, promo code PASSION at checkout for free shipping. The podcast is also brought to you by Hunter's Blend Coffee. Got some right here. It's the only coffee that is hunter-friendly. What I mean by that is it's the only brand that sources directly from the farmer, cutting out the anti-hunting, anti-Second Amendment coffee buyers, and they also support the U.S. Sportsman's Alliance, which help fight terrible anti-hunting legislation. By buying Hunter's Blend Coffee, you're directly supporting those who fight for us in the courtroom. Head over to Hunter's Blend Coffee right now. Pick up a bag or two. We love to mix their dark and their light roast. It's delicious. When you head over and you hit the, the little shopping cart, enter promo code NOLIMITS, all one word, at checkout, and get a 10% discount. That's sweet. You're going to buy coffee anyway. Why not fight the antis, support the farming communities, have it delivered to your door, and save 10%. Dude, what are you waiting for? Huntersblendcoffee.com, promo code limits, uh, sorry, promo code no limits at checkout. Huntersblendcoffee.com, promo code no limits. The podcast is also brought to you by Revelation Outdoors Waterfowl Ministry. The Revelation Outdoors mission is to help spread the gospel of Christ. Through waterfowl hunting, we leverage several different mediums or delivery methods to do that, either through our social media pages, uh, Passion of Pursuit short film series that is produced by Rome and Motion Culture Media. We're also in the final stages of releasing a video-based men's small group study that will combine video presentation with some of our best duck and goose hunting videos and an easy-to-follow leader's guide. Look, if you can follow an outline, press play, and watch a video, you can lead a group of your duck hunting buddies through a study of God's Word. Our favorite way to share the way we experience Jesus and waterfowling is through live presentations, either at men's events, wild game dinners, or other places where sportsmen and women gather. We have been invited to speak at events all over the country, and we absolutely co love connecting with our fellow sportsmen and talking about how God changed our lives, not through religion, but through a personal relationship with Christ. We are not religious guys. And we stress that we're guys just like the rest of you. And we have found that when we're able to break through a lot of the religious fog that surrounds us, we're able to show the simplicity found in God's plan of salvation. If you have an event coming up and you need a speaker, we'd love to talk to you. You can connect with us on social media or through our website, revelationoutdoors.com. Okay, let's get on with it. I've been trying to grab some time to have today's guest on the podcast for several months now. His company makes one of the most important pieces of gear that any duck or goose, or goose hunter uses. It's your choke tubes. You guys know that we've been shooting jebs for some time now. We love their consistency. 
and the peace of mind that we have knowing that when the moment of truth comes and it's time to pull the trigger, we absolutely know where our shot string is going. We still may miss, but we know that our gear is functioning exactly as it's supposed to. And we know what our patterns are doing at different ranges and weather conditions. It makes for easy adjustments if you know that the basics are covered. Trey Sears of Jeb Chokes is who, of course, I'm talking about. We had a great conversation about how Jeb's got started, what makes a good choke tube good, um, what a choke tube can help you with, and what a choke tube cannot help you with. We talk about the importance of patterning your shotgun and knowing where your shot string is going, and we even tell some hunting stories uh, as well. As much as we love their chokes, we love the people, Jeb's even more and it won't take you guys long to figure out why so here's my guest today trey sears of jeb's choke tubes all right all right Well, I imagine you get the same questions kind of over and over and over again, right? Like, hey, this this is a situation that I'm hunting with choke is best. Um, but I imagine you answer the same thing like it, over and over and over it, again. It, yes, sir. You're exactly right. And a lot of it, you know, has it does get into some specifics, but a lot of the answers are generally, generally going to be pretty generic, you know, when it comes yeah. to different shot sizes and what you're hunting and this and that, you know, it changes, but nine times out of 10, it's somebody needs to know a restriction size or does this choke tube fit my gun and vice versa. So it's, yeah. it's a, it, a lot of questions are the same, but there are some, you know, general differences, but like I say, nine times out of 10, you know, the biggest thing is just getting people the right restriction and, and telling them which yeah. choke tube fits fits what shotgun yeah well we're going to get into that but trey sears i'm glad you can join me um we've been planning this for yes, a while sir. so i'm glad we can jump on before we get started in the chokes and what choke is best for somebody's gun what chokes are and more importantly we're going to answer a question is what chokes are not because um, <laughs> exactly. i think there's a lot of guys out there think a choke is going to fix all their problems and that, uh <laughs> that, that's true now some of our chokes do help the duck calling deficient now because we have some <laughs> some some longer range ones but a choke tube isn't gonna fix everybody's problem yeah. you know, sometimes it's the indian and not the arrows you're working with yeah. <laughs> you can worry about the don't worry about the mule just load the wagon that's what uh, my grandpa you say exactly well trey before we get into that tell us about um you you know you where'd you grow up um you know i, I believe uh I know a little bit of your background, but for those that just know kind of what they see of Jeb's on social media shooting your chokes, tell us where you grew up and, and how did you get into the, uh, I mean, it's an art of making choke tubes. Yes, sir. And the, the biggest thing is, you know, we grew up here in South Georgia. That's where me and my dad, which is Bobby, is one of the owners of the company, mm -hmm. um, along with Jimmy Washam. And basically, one of the reasons we got into it, to be honest with you, Miss Joe, is there we're perfectionists, you know um being in from the south in general um mm -hmm. one of the biggest compliments you know anybody ever gave whether it's playing sports or whatever it was was you know that's pretty good if you mm. got if you got a pretty good you was doing really good that's right um but that we, we don't make a big deal about a lot down here oh no sir i'm going to tell you the biggest thing like my granddad ever said you know playing sports and football and baseball he said son you did pretty good 
boy, that that was like somebody else oh. just beating you on the back, you know. Yeah. <laughs> you had to take that as that was really good. But the reason yeah. we started is like there there wasn't a a choke tube that would meet our standards if that if that mm-hmm. makes sense you would you would buy one and it didn't work so you were stuck with it like we ended up with probably two or three five gallon buckets full of choke tubes that either were, weren't good or you know that that you could shoot out over time so we basically wanted to build up just a better choke tube or a better mousetrap um, you said you said something that's not it, it they weren't good or they didn't work why don't you go and go a little bit deeper Mm-hmm. into that and and are you talking about um it didn't restrict the shot the way you wanted to or it wasn't consistent or it is it all the above what were you looking you, for because i think a yes. lot of guys probably looking for the same thing yes sir and you just hit the nail on the head really um it's it's really like two or three things there when i say not good there wasn't enough shot on target that we thought that should be there um mm-hmm. basically the pattern was too sparse or too big and then two when we would find a good choke tube um we would shoot it for a season whether it be turkey or duck hunting and it just seems like it would fall off over time and what we realized is because um, my dad's best friend which is miss jimmy him being a machinist over time we got to looking and he would actually mic out the choke tubes that we bought that weren't ours and that you could start with a say a full choke one year and then shooting it one season it was it has stretched or basically if you ever heard the term shot out i shot out my choke tube it Hmm. it would lose its restriction over time so you may have even had a good one to start a season but by the end of it you know you've lost your original you know density and and pattern that you had so it's it's basically just like you said miss joy that it wasn't what we found anyway that that it wasn't meeting our needs of what we thought it could be you know we're perfectionists Mm -hmm. and like I say, in kind of everything we do. So we want it to be replicable and, you know, the same every time. And we think if something right. needs to be good, it should be good. And we really made them just for ourselves. Um, yeah. For like two or three years, we were making them our own and we would give them to family members and friends. And eventually it got to the point where people were wanting them um, pretty regularly and we were able to, you know, get into the business. That's, this The outdoor industry is another thing, you know, like, talking like how did you get in this industry i feel like (laughs) if you we didn't really want to get into this industry but we just had a product and our values and what we like you know mirrored this industry and it's worked out really well for us well necessity is the mother of inventions and um i could you know we're hunters and duck hunters especially like Corey. Uh, Corey Foskett, I had him on the podcast from Tangle Free. He's the owner of Tangle Free. Yes, sir. And uh, he said, we're all just tinkerers. Like, we, we'll take something and try to make it better and try to make it better. And I've done that, but it's never crossed my mind to try and make a, sh- uh, a, a shotgun choke tube better. Because that's something with my gun, you get to test it once. And if it blows up, that's it. <laughs> so, you know, it's not something you get to go back to the drawing board a couple of times. Um, until you get it right, but you said that um, you had someone that was a machinist, right? Yes, sir. He is one okay. of the other other partners, along with my dad. His name's Jimmy, and he has been a machinist, Lord, his whole life. He mm. and he makes everything from you know submarine doors to they've actually made parts and bolts and actions at his machine shop uh, for other rifle companies and things like that. So he has a that's a, a really you know complete knowledge of it and what he used was is instead of you know trying to fix what was already on the market you know make his totally make a totally different one that would work how he wanted it to and that's 
one yeah. of the reasons it did what it did. Um, and the crazy thing is we were the first choke tube company to get a patent since the 70s because the interior design was so different. It, it's not a, our choke tubes aren't a restrictive choke tube, meaning it doesn't restrict the wad from it. Ours basically slows it down over time, um, giving mm-hmm. you more shot on target and, and more consistent patterns as well. Right, right, right. Now you said so. You grew up in Southern Georgia, right? Yes, sir. If if my accent doesn't give it away, uh, no, I didn't yes, think sir. you were from New Jersey. I can tell you that much. Uh, yes, sir. I don't get confused from being from Boston too much. So, no, you know, I can. Totally I, I can pretty much tell everybody you about as country as mud. So I, I, I'm tell I'm telling country as a collard green right here. <laughs> what what part of what part of Georgia? Because I'm pretty familiar with Southern Georgia. Yes, sir. We're uh, from Hazelhurst, or that's okay. where I'm from. Um, but if anybody's ever heard of Vidalia Onions, mm-hmm. uh, we're 30 minutes from there. That's that's how I explain it to everybody. Um, gotcha. Because very rarely do you know that I meet someone and say, yeah, I'm from Hazelhurst. Oh, yeah, I know where that's at. But mm-hmm. nine times out of ten, they've heard of Vidalia Onions, and mm-hmm. they can kind of know where we're at from there. What county is that? That's Jeff Davis County, oh, yes, yeah. sir. Oh, yeah. Okay. Right on the river. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Now, most of what you grew up hunting was, as far as choke tubes go, was turkey, right? Exactly, yes, sir. And we have wood ducks here. You know, we're not in a big right. migratory uh, flight path or anything like that. So we right. really grew up, you know, in the in the pine woods hunting turkeys and things like that. Um, mm-hmm. But that's not to say we didn't go, you know, have our wood ducks. That was fun, too. Yeah. There, there weren't many pintails and widgeons and gadwalls, you know, flying right, through right, right. South Georgia. Now, you know, a turkey is something that I've been close to a couple of times, but I've never killed one yet. I, I'm going to go ahead and tell you, it is the most addictive thing. It just And just like waterfowl is to me now that the company's got going and we get to travel and meet people and they take us, um, it, it's just addictive. It's, it's the most duck hunting and, and turkey hunting, I think, you know, fowl in general. Um, it's so interactive, yeah. you know. You're not just sitting there you know waiting on something you can actively change the scenario and change the outcome by you know your efforts and Mm -hmm. that's one of the reasons i like it so much i I really get bored pretty easily and the beauty of turkey hunting and duck hunting is normally you're done in time to eat breakfast if everything goes right that's right and i don't like to miss many meals (laughs) yes sir that's right and that's one of the reasons why it works you know for our ministry so well is because you know when you're when you're duck hunting especially in the timber or something like that you know it it'll slow down you'll get some time to talk and get to know the people that you're you're hunting with and talk about things and it's just uh you know there 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 is so much that points to a creator when you're oh, turkey hunting or when you're duck hunting and when you see that and it's it's like so many things like even before I was safe so many things I would see in the woods and then I read verses and I'm like huh that's exactly i know that feeling oh for sure if you've ever been hunting anything waking up in the morning you know but before the sun comes up there's no way that you can't sit there you know um no matter who you are and don't think the world's bigger than yourself there's there's more to just right now and you um and and like you said being saved myself you could see it you know you could you could see this is all come from one person a creator you know this, mm. this doesn't just magically happen um no. it's everything to work the way it does well i tell you what so you were talking about wood ducks and you know i speak at a lot of different churches and things like that and one of the guys said you know you you talk about romans 120 says that creation testifies of a divine creator i said yes it does that's correct 
And he said, well, what does that mean? I said, okay. What, and it, I, matter of fact, I was in Georgia. I was in northern Georgia. Um, but I said, okay, you guys shoot a lot of wood ducks here, right? Yes, sir, we do. I said, okay, have you ever seen a hen wood duck hit the hole of a tree at about 40 miles an hour? Oh, my lower. And stick her head out of it. Yes, sir. I said, do you think that that's learned or do they just, is it innate? Do they just, they come out of the egg knowing how to do that? Yeah. Because that's something else you only get one shot at. All right. I mean, I, I saw that. Uh, I've seen it a couple of times, but I, so the first time I saw it, I, I just, I was sure that, you know, we were going to find that wood duck dead. And a couple of seconds later, she's sticking her head out of the tree. <laughs> Feathers everywhere. Now, I'm saying, how in the world does an animal, how does it know to, 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 to do that? And it only, well, if they didn't learn it, because you can't learn that. That's not something you and I can back up, go run across a swamp and jump in the hole of a tree and, and do it over and over and over until <laughs> we get it right. No, sir. Um, they, they come out of the egg knowing how to do that, right? He said, right. I said, okay, how do they know how to do that? So they were created to know how to do that. Mm-hmm. And so there are certain things that you look at and you're like, there's only one answer to it. You know, it, it's it's not happenstance or, or chance or random or there's only one chance at it uh, or there's only one explanation for it. And it's uh, it's a divine creator that knows all and and created those animals to do that. And, it, and it's an amazing thing when you just stop and think about it. Um, it's it's crazy. But so anyway, that's that's my two cents on that. And uh, yes, yeah, yeah, sir. And a funny story to go along with that, because like we were saying, while we have our wood ducks when we were little. Um, and, and we're hunting, and that's some of the first memories I have. When I was little, I had a little 410, um, you know, single shot, and Dad would take us, and we'd see the beaver ponds and all, and being five or six, you know, I didn't have the wisdom at the time to basically understand everything you were just saying. So in, mm-hmm. around, in a roundabout way, Dad kind of just made it easier. Um, he said, you know, I said, how does them do those ducks you know just don't smash each other he said well one does if you ever watched he, he said there are yeah. five or six of them fly in there and the first one hits itself against the the tree and the rest of them just slow him down the yeah. first one slows him down but that's it. funny you say that that made me think of that because that's really what it looks like you know i've seen three or four of them fly into a tree like at wide open and it just amazed me even at that age you know how how do how do they do that without you know repercussions yeah it's um, just like it's just like people walking down the street down a busy street you know they rubbing elbows and brushing against walls and everything else but man what you just said that that's one of the that's one of the reasons why i just love 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 hunting timber because those birds will do things that defy gravity and defy logic and defy physics I, that that is a hundred percent correct i have i have seen it and it it hit me at a young age and until i was like 10 or 11 got old enough to understand it i, I would yeah. tell everybody my friends that they'd take them go because my dad and uncle they'd take everybody you know my friends you mm-hmm. know and i thought i was a professor of wood ducks i said yeah you know how they <laughs> they they live in there you know they the first one just gets smashed in there and the rest <laughs> of them just hit against him like a pillow i said don't worry daddy guys, logic I, Oh, for sure. I said, I got this figured out, fellas. Y'all just stick with me, you know, old wise 12-year-old I was. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So what what did the process look like of, so you, you're, you're building chokes, and everybody's like, man, these, you know, they're consistent. They don't blow up. They don't shoot out. That year after year, they're consistent. And that's what I found with them is, it, you know, year after year, I know at 30 yards what 
a um, what a, a number nine shot tungsten from Apex is going to do through a 685 choke in my Benelli or my Rite. For sure. I yes. just I, I know what it's going to do. So what did that process look like when you guys said, okay, we're, we're on to something here, boys? It, um, and, and it's really, that's another funny story. It's kind of like our origin story. We were making them, you know, and we really started out making turkey chokes first, but the engineering and the thought behind it is exactly the same. <clears throat> Excuse me. But we were sitting there, and one of the, one of our friends that's in the NWTF, um, one that helps us with our chat, he said, you know, we had this world championship uh, steel target shoot. And when they told us that, I was like, oh, my goodness. Now, we all grew up, you know, on the archery, you mm -hmm. know, shooting archery tournaments and stuff like that. So we, we decided, you know, if they kept telling us and telling us, we decided we'd enter it. You know, nobody's ever heard of Jeb's. The name itself isn't, you know, just... It doesn't sound like it's royal by no means, but that's who we are, you know. Mm -hmm. um, but we went to this tournament up in South Carolina, and honest to God, we didn't know what we were getting into. Um, <laughs> we came with a Plano tackle box with like two or three extra <laughs> chokes just in case if the weather was different. But we got there, and I'm telling you, we just had our regular T-shirts on and a little tackle box, no chairs or nothing. We pull up and people's got tents and shooting shirts and look, the prettiest glasses and oh, everything. Lord. And everybody looks at us and they said, Lord have mercy. Country has come to town. Country uh, has come to town. I'll tell you, we jump out of uh, our, our pickup truck with a little tackle box and, and one shotgun. You know, we didn't know there was different divisions in it. Right. Um, <laughs> so we got a, just a Browning BPS and a little tackle box with our cleaning stuff and, and a choke tube. And needless to say, that was kind of the the start of Jeb's because we got there and you know everybody kind of not turns your nose down it but if you're new at anything you know it's kind of like who are these people mm -hmm. um, yeah, you gotta prove yourself oh for sure and then we sat there but I can promise you after the first target when we all shot um it after after that everybody said lord have mercy what kind of gun you got and then basically that just let us know that lord led us on the right path because we went with the one gun we brung or we brought with us and won the world championship with that gun and only having one choke tube and one gun, or excuse me, two chokes extra, um, and that shotgun, we went up there against kind of like, it'd be the same as somebody going to like a home run derby and you just bring one bat, no batting gloves, <laughs> and you're wearing a backwards hat up there and then you... you In sandals. Them. Exactly, and some crops <laughs> and you beat out Barry Bonds or something, you know, that's kind of what it was, but that that recognition and just that sense of fulfillment let us know that we were right on, on the right track and... Fire turkey chokes led to waterfowl because we had a lot of friends that that had the turkey choke and they were avid waterfowl hunters, you know, mm -hmm. similar to yourself. And they they told us to start making those, and you know, five or six years later, here we are. How did how did steel shot change how you guys machined or the tolerances or because it's <clears throat> it's such a man the tolerances are so so precise and it, it, so small. How did how did steel shot because you got to account for that. I mean, you know, you can shoot lead when you're turkey hunting, but that's a completely different ball game manufacturing steel uh, shot. Oh, for shirts. sure. Yes, sir. And and a lot of it comes through trial and error um, because when my, I first started, well, not I, but when my dad and I was little, you could shoot lead duck hunting too. Yeah. Um, and some of the outlaws and rebels around here still somewhat mm -hmm. do that. Mm -hmm. um, but the steel, it, it definitely – it doesn't compress like lead does, so we found that you couldn't over-tighten it because um, mm -hmm. when you over-tighten it, it's not going to hurt our chokes because of the heat treating process and all, but uh, it would you would not get the best patterns, and we it's 
we found that basically letting it opening it up to little bigger tolerances to handle the hardness of that steel since it does, doesn't compress gave us the same patterns we were looking for in our waterfowl tubes as the turkeys and they're the same chokes exactly machined the same way they just have to be like you say have bigger tolerances to withstand the hardness right. of that steel shot and has the non-toxic like the the tungsten that we shoot from apex uh well we shoot a tungsten blend but they've got a, a awesome new steel shot too Th they um, really do I'm telling you, man. They're they're the the specs, and, and I made a post about it that all steel is not created equal. It, that um, is true. And and they have the 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 most perfect spherical steel shot that you can find. And and there's different grades of steel, just like there's different grades of tungsten. Um, but I I tell you what, man. I for for guys that want a better steel shot, um that new steel from apex is hands that and i mean we can shoot their tungsten um mm -hmm. and it hits like a hammer but that steel shot is just man it it patterns so especially when you combine it with your with your tubes we've just got more shot on pattern at 30 and 40 yards than any other because you know pattern and steel shot is like taking a handful of wiffle balls and throwing them and they're going to go in 500 different directions the, and and you know? that's the thing, like with with our chokes, and and we try to tell people, and, and I'm glad you mentioned it. Just the patterning aspect. That's a that's another thing, you know. For for the longest time, you know, when we first started, and people with the way they think of steel shot and shotguns, anyway, you know, you just shoot it, and and it's gonna work or it doesn't. Um, but a right. shotgun really is no different than a rifle. You know, you wouldn't get a brand new rifle and throw a scope on there and just go to the woods. Um, mm -hmm. You know, all rifles don't hit just point of impact right out the box and very rarely does a, a shotgun hit exactly where you want it to at 50 yards you know you can't go out there with a mm. pie plate and never shot your gun before and shoot it and say well i ain't got but three double b's in this plate man this ain't no good well you they don't mm -hmm. you, you're not catching the whole pattern you know that's been the biggest thing that i've seen is really educating people how to pattern a shotgun um you just don't go out right. there with a a dixie dixie paper plate and shoot it and say oh well that's three three shot on there that works for me you know you know but that's going mm -hmm. back to that perfectionist thing if if you do it right and you pattern it right you know where you're at um and you could we've seen it a lot of times because we have people here if they're close enough drive to our shooting range they'll come and they'll say you know my shotgun's not shooting good and we'll bring them and one thing they'll always say is they think something is 40 yards and it's really 20 yards we have a range finder so we'll put it at 40 <laughs> and we shoot on a four by four piece of paper so you can catch everything you know you see your complete right. pattern and when you do that we've seen a lot of people come here that were especially when we first started that were skeptical and they would leave very very satisfied because they wasn't even seeing their whole pattern's potential they were just looking mm -hmm. at the one part of it um but that, like I say, and like you just said, patterning is probably one of the most important things, especially a waterfowl with your lead times and stuff like that, and, right. and with turkey too. But I think that has kind of not caught up with the, the rifle world yet, but it, it, it's getting there. Well, here, here's the way I put it. So if you look at leading up to duck season, you look at the top of a big funnel, right? And so you've got you spend money on boats, you spend money on motors, you spend money on camo, on calls, on decoys, on all these things. And we're moving down the funnel. We're getting closer to hunting season. And eventually it comes to the point where you're going to aim your gun at something 
and pull the trigger. And now all that other stuff has gotten you to this point. And so you're at the point now where you, all of your other stuff has worked perfectly because you have a bird in range at the end of your barrel, but you have no idea where the shot is going to go when it comes out of you. You've got some idea because you're pointing it in a direction, but does your gun shoot high? Does it shoot low? Do you need to shim it? Um, do you have the right chokes in? If you're shooting timber where you got limbs and branches and trees in your way, you need something that's a little wider or you shooting longer distances in a field. You, you don't, if you don't know where you, your pattern is going, oh, all sure. the stuff that you put in at the top of that funnel is useless. Exactly, and that's that's what a lot of people have seen now, and that's why our waterfowl, you know, choke tube sales are just doing incredibly. Because if you think about all the stuff that goes into waterfowl hunting, whether you're hunting public land or not, you know, you gotta get your you get your license, you get your decoys, you get your calls, you got your waders, your camo. You do everything right and, and spend all this money. Why would you not have the most important part about harvesting a duck? Mm -hmm. um, why wouldn't you have that, you know, ironed out? Um, right. And and that's the biggest thing. And people, your shotgun's only as good as your choke tube, and that's just a fact. Mm -hmm. uh, you could have a $300 shotgun or a $30,000 shotgun, and if you don't have the right choke tube in there, you know, your shotgun really is a vessel to get that shot to the choke tube. Um and, and at the end of the day, that's why I tell everybody, you can do everything right, just like you said. And if you skimp or you cut short on the last step, you're not doing yourself any favors. Right, right. So why don't you talk about the best way to pattern and what should we look for and at what distance? Because I think a lot of guys would just go shoot their gun at a piece of wood and go, yep, that's good. Yeah, well, it looks good to me, man. <laughs> good that to me. That ought to do it, yeah. So, saw splinters. Um, mm -hmm. to talk about the proper way to pattern a shotgun and what should we be looking for. For sure, and, and the and the biggest thing is that I tell everybody, all shotguns are not created equal. You know, some, some are going to perform like Tom Brady and some are going to perform like Marshall Brady. Um, that's just that's <laughs> just the fact um, because they're, they're individually machined, you know, from different manufacturers, and there can be differences in them. You know, some can be bored off center and vice versa. Um, and, and another thing that we've seen, you can't take a – your buddy that has a Remington, you know, 870 with a 24-inch barrel, and and then his buddy's got a brand new Rattay or Benelli or Beretta or Browning with a 30-inch barrel, and shoot the same ammunition and hope to get the same pattern. You know, that mm -hmm. extra six inches of barrel that does quite a bunch as far yeah. as the shot staying in there. So you gotta compare. You gotta know what you're comparing things to. Um, but with that being said, really the way we do it is we pattern it first at 10 yards with just instead of using our apex or our steel shots you know we use a, a bird load a lead load at 10 yards and if you draw a a little circle about the size of a quarter on a big piece of paper if your gun is hitting true it should be able to just with our tubes knock that hole out just perfectly mm -hmm. out but what we've seen and what we show people when they come see this process if their gun is you know half an inch off at 10 yards you just amplify it going further because that that shot blooms like a flower it gets bigger as it goes down range so right. you could just imagine if it's off a little bit here you just and the differences adding. get bigger exactly so it may be an inch or six inches or half an inch at 10 yards that may equate to being the center of your pattern may be six inches off at 40 or 50 
Um, so that's one of the biggest things we show people. We want to see where it's hitting. But after that, it really just defines what the, that individual person views as perfect. Because what I think is perfect may not be what's perfect for you. You know, if I'm shooting wood right. ducks, I, I don't want a 50 or 60 yard gun because I, it's like Mm-mm. shooting a 22. I'll miss it. Um, right. So it really depends on after you get all that figured out, what size shot you're shooting and what you want it to look like. You may want your pattern to look like what mine does at 25 and yours at 45. Um, mm-hmm. So it really patterning as far as when you get it right and you know your gun sent point of aim, point of impact, it, it comes to how you want it to look. Do you want all that shot in a 10-inch circle? Do you want it in a 20-inch circle spread out? And that's where the different restrictions come in. If you want it tighter, yeah. go lower. If you want it more open, open the number up, you know. Um, so it's really, it's it's person-specific. Right. And, and the, so us that shoot a lot of timber, what I look at is a 30-inch circle at about 40 yards because that's, you know, out past 40 yards, there's going to be a tree in my way someplace. So I'm not even going to, I'm not even going to bother to take that shot. Exactly. Um, and then where we hunt at, if you're shooting past Florida, you peppering somebody else because there ain't that much space yeah. in there. Um, so I, I'm the same exact way, but I have other guys, you know, on our pro staff and friends that they're hunting in, you know, Kansas, Nebraska, and they start in Canada, you know, that mm-hmm. there's not a, a tree in sight. Um, so th- <laughs> they may take 50 or 60 yard shots, so they want their pattern differently than mine. And that's okay. Yeah. Um, and some people, like you say, aren't as good as shots as others. I'm not claiming to be no professional myself, so I, I like a little uh, margin for error when it comes to picking out my perfect right. better. Right. Now, you talked about restrictions. Go through the waterfowl line and how you, um, what your numbers of, you know, like a, a 680 is super restricted and 85 is more open and 90 is for more. For sure. Talk, talk about the numbers and how they equate to what guys may already be familiar with as far as a full choke, improved, modified, all that. For sure. And the biggest thing, too, the lower the number, the tighter the restriction. That's actually the exiting diameter of that shot. We have a lot of people, you know, that aren't familiar with the restrictive quality chokes like most aftermarket ones. They'll say, yeah, I want want that tight one, that 695, that biggest, the tightest one you got. And then you got to explain to them that, you know, that's really the Mm -hmm. most open one. But needless to say, it we what we kind of do is the 685 is starts our long range and then we run all the way from a 90 a 95 and now to our close range tubes which are really good for timber and you know mm-hmm. people that are a little bit younger and getting into it you don't want to give them a howitzer and that they don't right. enjoy it um but based on your shot size with steel or tungsten or whatever you're using the bigger size shot that you shoot the tighter your pattern will get um, and it'll actually get to a place where the 685 is tricky. If you get shoot bigger than number twos um, mm-hmm. with the 685, like Bs, like ones or, you know, double Bs, it'll actually start kind of going the other way because it's overly restricted. You could take a 690 shooting double Bs and get the same size pattern as a 685 shooting number threes and fours because steel mm-hmm. and tungsten, it actually gets to a threshold where if you over tighten it, you'll blow your pattern. Um, right. But it, it, it it's kind of a... It's not hard whatsoever to me looking at it now, but to, to somebody that's not familiar with it, it, there are a lot of numbers and you get really confusing. But the biggest thing to, to lean on, if you want a tighter tube, you know, you go a 685 or 90. If shooting timber, you want to stick around a 95 or the close range tube or CR. Um, but my favorite tube, I think for pretty much everybody now that, that does a lot of waterfowl hunt, that's not, you know, 
area specific like you and i you know you travel i love mm-hmm. the 690 it's right there in between that 85 and 95 so you kind of yeah. get the best of both worlds you still get the distance that you're looking for on those hunts where you know you're hunting out of a pit and you may shoot 40 or 50 yards but you're a margin for error on the days that you're hunting at home or in the flooded timber whether it be in Arkansas or georgia you, your margin for error is not so small so you're not just hit or miss yeah, I, I think that's the one that Lee and I and Neil shoot the most of is um, the 690. Now, if we're shooting geese, um, we may swap out and go to the 85, 685, get yes, a little bit tighter. Uh, but we're not shooting, we're not shooting anything bigger than number twos anyway. So, it, and and that's the ticket too. And I'm glad you said that. That's another I think misconception in waterfowl is when people go and they shoot you know geese or snow geese they'll put in the the double b's and they say well it don't it only takes you know one to kill it i say yeah that's true Uh but why would you chase one double b when you have five or six twos you know that you can put on him no you're putting more shot on target and you're doing it more ethically um you don't have to chase those big bb's one or two of them anymore it's just like with turkeys for the longest time everybody shot number fours you know, and mm-hmm. I, I remember when Apex first come out and tungsten and stuff like that, people were just dumbfounded. You had to give them a engineering and a chemistry lesson on why you can shoot right. number nines. Um, right, right. As opposed to lead fours. It's just the market in general, like you said, whether it be decoys, ducks, I mean, duck decoys, you know, shotguns, ammunition, choke tubes, everything is always everybody's innovating like you said tinkering mm-hmm. and innovating and and the way everything is going you know you can't use traditional ways of thinking about whether it be your shotgun or your decoys or your calls or anything um like yeah. you said it, it's not your these aren't your grandpa's shotguns and these ain't your granddaddy's choke tubes mm-hmm. anymore it's changed mm-hmm. you know that's the man they, that number nine tungsten load that apex has that's oh, what we shoot in the timber it's rough on them <sighs> Now your dentist Lord, bill mercy. sometimes gets a little harder because it's harder to find all them little number nines. You gotta well, you just have gotta a, shoot them in the head, man. That's uh, all. Uh, there you go. There you go. Sometimes I can't. <laughs> I'm not that uh, equipped to do that, but I have found that you know it, it takes a, a better field dressing job when you do shoot those like that. You can't do it do it quick. Yeah, man. Yeah. Let's switch gears. Talk about um. Talk about uh, like over the last couple of years how much the company has grown. Um, because I, I know that uh, I know that you guys have just grown exponentially over the last couple of years. What um, what does that look like, and what do you attribute that to? Yes, sir. And a lot of it, we kind of did it in this industry a different way, and we did it a way that was familiar to us when we when we first started. We didn't have a marketing team or a budget or anything like that. It was myself, my dad, Bobby, and Mr. Jimmy. We would mm-hmm. actually load up the choke tubes um, and just take them store to store and try to sell them. You know, that's how mm-hmm. we knew how to do it, coming from the timber industry or whatever. That's where we did originally and still do, but that's what we know. You know, make relations with your local people and then, you know, hope that it goes on from there. But it it has just been a blessing. You know, none of this happens by happenstance. Um, right. Hard work and, and and really just a blessing from the Lord is where we are now um because when we first started we didn't have no big marketing campaign we didn't get on every you know social media and sponsor everybody in this way we really let our choke tubes kind of speak for themselves because yep we found that 
a repeat customer and a loyal customer is one that the product works for them. You know, you only can get somebody one time with smoke and mirrors. You can sell mm-hmm. a lot of product one time and, and do really well, but that's not a a business model that I think is replicable. Um, right. So we kind of did it did it slowly. We didn't even have the waterfowl chokes when we first started. So like I said, we just did the sold the turkey tubes and people really, really enjoyed them. And that kind of, you know, was a springboard for our waterfowl and upland and sporting clays and things like that. And what I've seen in this industry, as you know, too, when, when a customer, something really works for them, that's your best advertisement. That There's no more loyal of a person in the hunting industry than someone that believes in a product and the product works for them. They'll, yep. go, to, they'll go to battle for you. I've seen it on social media. You know how it is these days. Mm-hmm. Now you don't even have to do nothing. Half the time they can explain it or go to war for you or fight your battles but we really put the customer or the consumer first and it's uh, that along with you know just honestly being blessed and the hard work and everything that we put in it i think all goes hand in hand and it has basically brought us to this point where we're at yeah yeah and so social media has changed um and i talk about this with a lot of guys that, that come on social media has changed the hunting industry for you know for good and bad i feel um i think that a lot of the there's a lot of guys on there that want to be instant overnight successes um exactly. and, and they and and they can be um but there's a lot of companies that when they figure out that it's not about hero picks and big piles and um when they focus on I talk to Tangle Free a lot about this. The 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 companies that focus on um, how their product makes the experience better and their relationships better, that's the pages that I think are most successful. So, and I think I see that a lot in your page. I see that a lot in some of the other pages that we work with, and that's what we try to focus on. Yeah. As yes, well. sir. And and the biggest thing is what who we are is. If you get on our social media pages, you won't see me on there. You won't see, you very rarely see, see my, excuse me, my dad or Miss Jimmy. You know, we, Jeb's is bigger than us three people. You know, we, we, we didn't get into this to have self-fame. And that's one of the biggest things that I think that you see on social media nowadays that is that a lot of times people promote themselves more than they do the, their product. And, right. And that that's not who we are and that, that's not who we're going to be the people that we focus on are like you say our partners that we work with or our pro staff people you know the people that are out there the consumer um Mm -hmm. because we feel like if if you want to have a successful company it can't be about you it's got to be about the product and like i said social media is tricky that way um you if you want to have something like you were saying that the best companies that do it you know they don't flood the their product or their company with themselves it's the consumer and you hit the nail on the head you know there's there's no overnight fame and if there is it usually doesn't last that long yeah i think um i think that the companies that do it best uh like you said are the ones that um that promote kind of the lifestyle uh exactly right so that's um and and then you know there's like I said, you can get guys on there that can be an overnight success and get a, a million. But the big thing is, and you touched on this earlier, you know, waterfowlers especially, and, and you know, turkey hunters, hunters in generally, 
in general can smell out BS in a heartbeat. Ooh, that quick. I mean, look, it, it's and and we've always been real intentional. Like when we do videos for for you or anybody else, we're never going to be the ones that are saying we never would have killed this duck had it not been for our you know super duper whammy choke uh, too. Exactly. But it it, it does play. A partner, I feel, I find if you're honest with how that product played, uh, look, we use the things that we use because it makes our time a field more enjoyable and it, Ex it, it works. Exactly. And, and, and that's what I tell people too, Miss Joy, you know, is, is that this is a good example and this is why I put it. And I think this is one of the reasons that social media is and like platforms like yourselves and, and Canna and everything like that. Is, mm -hmm. is starting to take off because people, you can't fool them anymore. You know, it's not like the 1990s and 80s where, if boy, if it wouldn't have been for this broadhead or if this wouldn't have been for this joke, people know that now because everything's yeah. instant with social media. And it's finally caught up with everything else. You know, you didn't ever hear Greg Maddox or, you know, being from Georgia or John Smoltz or anybody say, you know, mm -hmm. if, this, if this wasn't for this Rollins glove, man, I'd have never threw this no-hitter. Right. You know, he could have threw the no-hitter and, and flip-flops with a, a croaker sack catching the ball with. Yeah. <laughs> and, and that's the same thing. People, you can't fool them anymore like that. They'd rather see somebody use the tube and see the effects of it because you don't have to tell me nothing as a consumer for other products. If I watch a video or a teaser, if I see that you make an incredible shots, you know, one, yeah. that's on you, and two, your equipment's really good. You know, you don't have to sit there and tell me, boy, let me tell you, if it wasn't for this joke, joke tube, <laughs> I wouldn't have killed these yeah. 38 ducks that the, we all limited right, out. Right, 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 right. Yeah. Yeah, there's 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 enough of that. What's uh, what's uh, what's coming up new this year? I know you've been turning a bunch of choke tubes for the new Rattays. Yes, sir. And I'm gonna tell you that is that we were one of the first people to come out with the aftermarket tube for them, mm -hmm. um, and they have performed really well. And that's that's one of the things that we really pride ourselves on in in general. Is say if there's a new shotgun company comes out, or if there's a new line of shotgun like when the a5 come out you know it was a different choke thread pattern than the brown and invectors and invector mm -hmm. pluses before if we really pride ourselves on having it first and having it to the market and us too um we were the first people to have the aftermarket 410 chokes for like turkey hunting that really did so well because we worked so closely with the apex guys and the different tungsten um mm -hmm. ammo providers and and we saw that that was a need and we were the first ones to do that as well um, but what I see really happening more um, in the future for us is continue to do what we're doing. But I see the sub-gauges because the ammunition is, is really changing and getting better. We've yeah. seen just in-house that the sub-gauge sales, whether it be 20s, 28s, 410s, whatsoever, um, what have you, excuse me, that they're really starting to take off. Very rarely, when we first started, you did see a lot of 10-gauge stuff, but yeah. it's kind of with the ammunition the way it is and choke tubes the way they are, I'm starting to see the 10 gauges, you know, kind of phase out and, yeah. and the sub gauges becoming more popular. I agree with that. I agree with that. I've got a, uh, I don't see many 10 gauges anymore, um, but I got, I have a uh, Remington 1100 28 that I shoot trap with that I, I'm just, I don't know what it is, but me and that gun, we just, we jihaw really, really well. Y'all go together like peas and carrots, don't you? Man, look, I'm telling you, it's, uh, 
it's just one of those it's just a such a sweet little gun and i i don't know if i would bring it in the woods but i would i would love to take that um on a duck hunt and it's just you know it's hard to find ammunition for it number one that 28 that's a that's a big thing yes sir i'm telling you the new 410 stuff with the way like our choke tubes are and the way ammunition is now whether it be from apex or um anybody else the 410 sales have just it it astonished me i was really kind of pessimistic about it when dad first approached me him or jimmy i was like yeah how many people up by the 410 but now that the ammunition has caught on and, and people mm-hmm. are seeing this, it's a new challenge, you know. For a man that's turkey hunted his whole life, don't get me wrong, turkey hunting is very exciting. And yeah. it's exciting every time. But to have an added challenge of trying to get one with a 410 or, you know, doing a single season slam with a 410, that's yeah. th- that gives you a little more incentive. Not that you didn't need it because you enjoy it, but it, it does right. add something to it. And then but we've I seen you, it with waterfowl too. Well, I tell you, your 410 uptick in sales may mean that there's more youngsters getting involved now because the equipment is starting to catch up so exactly and we have seen that with the way that some of the 410 single shots are you know they're built for children people are are starting to take their kids at a younger age you know they don't have to wait mm-hmm. for them to grow into a 12 gauge or a 20 gauge because they can you could take a five or six year old and like my son and nieces and nephews are you know proof of this they can be just as efficient as me and you can with lead number fives and sixes with a 12 gauge. Um, right. it, it's just, and, and that's a good thing. Cause that's how it was when I was growing up. I'm sure you're the same way. Anytime yeah. that I could go out in the woods and hunting, that's what I wanted to do. And the earlier, you know, you get children to do that. I think that you just get a earlier love for it. And that love keep keeps lasting. Well, you know what you see too. And I've noticed it in, just gear in general is more. You remember when you and I came up? There was no youth clothing. Like oh, Lord. if if you if you, I had an old pair of hand me down red ball rubber waders that were four sizes too big that came up to my neck. You had to wear three pairs of socks in them. I yeah. never. I had the same ones. Yeah, and it's just because there was no youth sized clothing, and now you have stuff that's specifically for youth. You have stuff that's specifically for women. And I think it's a good thing because it, it allows them to participate on kind of an equal footing as far as gear goes. And now that the shotgun gauges and the ammunition has caught up, there's no reason to not get somebody else involved that may not have had the same may not have the same opportunities as a full grown man. Hey, exactly. And you don't have to wait as long too because and and like you said, with everything, you know, the advances and everything from guns, camo, chokes you know, children are more successful. Um, and even me yeah. as being a kid and what I worry about the most with my son is not that I want him to kill everything that he shoots at, but I don't want him to get discouraged either. Right, um, right, right. So the, because children, as you know, having kids and being a child yourself, they're easily, or we are easily, me being one, we're easily discouraged, you know. Yeah. If something doesn't work right, we're not old enough to really think through the processes of why and everything you just see one or two outcomes it was either good or it was bad and you know and especially if, you if you're cold and miserable and wet and because you don't have the gear that fits you or that is you know man i remember hey. dude let me tell you i remember one of my first duck hunts when i was young um i didn't have hip boots or waders there was just a my grandpa had a pond way out in the back of his house and i remember these i didn't know there were wood ducks at the time um but I think the first duck I killed was a big greasy Muscovy duck. I didn't know 
<laughs> I had no idea what the difference was between the, the two, but um, we, uh, my cousin and I would sit on the edge of that, that pond in the morning and we would catch catfish. Well, we'd see these ducks come squealing in from the woods and they were wood ducks. Um, and that was the first duck that I killed was a wood duck on that pond. We didn't own hip boots or waders. We had to swim out there and get it and run back to the house. Um, exactly. I was a bird dog myself growing up. (laughs) So the, the fact that it stuck with me cause I was freezing, man, even in South Louisiana, it gets cold, dude. Oh Um, yes, sir. And so I just, it's, um, it's a miracle that it stuck with me, but Man, they they didn't have youth size this or youth size that. You just wore whatever dad or papa hand me downs you had, and you made you made the best with it. And I wonder how many, I wonder how many kids got turned off to hunting because they were cold or wet or uncomfortable or just didn't have fun. That if those if that same type of gear were available to them now, they would just be as bought in as you and I are now. Exactly, and I remember speaking of that in the first not duck hunting experience i ever killed them but i never forget is me and my dad and my uncle and my and my first cousin they we were we would shoot wood ducks but the pond that we were going to this time it was about it was a beaver pond and it had recently the river had risen so it was up about a foot or two more than it usually is mm. and the water was up you know about five feet and, and my uncle he's vertically challenged he's about five five <laughs> so he got kicked out of this one so he had to stay basically with me and my cousin on the hill and we had a little 410. It ain't like we were equipped to just kill them, but we wanted to be mm. in there so bad. And I could just remember as a young and I about had tears coming down my face. They were in that pond shooting and going. And me and my little cousins just sitting there with a little 410 single shot, just tears about to come out of our eyes because we couldn't go. <laughs> and I'm telling you, that I think that's why I like it so much now because I couldn't wait to get big enough to go in there with them. Oh, uh, man. But at the time, I'm telling you, boy, I, I could have bit a bullet. I was so mad, little tears coming down my face. That's so like, funny. This, That's so funny. I, I told myself, I said, there's going to be a day, you know, pray to God that I'm over 5'5 five five and I can get in there amongst the rest of them. Did you ever get over 5'5? Five five? I'm sure you did. Uh, yes, sir. All, all this southern food down here, if you ain't careful, you'll get you'll get over 5'5 five five and, and bigger around than 5'5. Yes, five sir. Five. But yes, yes, sir. sir. Well, we're bumping up on almost an hour, Trey. Is there anything that you wanted to cover that we left out? Miss Joy, I think we, we kind of hit everything good. You know, I really enjoyed talking with you. I think we hit a lot of important parts good. from patterning and guns and ammunition and kids and camo and everything yeah. else. I've really, yeah. I've really enjoyed this. Well, the, the main thing is a, a choke will make a good shotgunner better, but it will not make a bad shotgunner good. That that um, that is that is true. Sometimes you just gotta face the facts. You know, every everybody's not cut out for the same things. Yeah, you know, everybody yeah. has a a talent in this world, I believe. And I can promise you, mine's not blowing a duck call. I've been with well, enough people that uh, they they've told me, "Hey, let me just handle this." I said, "Okay," <laughs> you know. I, so now I just fake it till I make it. I act like I'm yeah, over there doing that's it. That's right. But, Hey man, I, I I made a living doing that. Fake it till you make it. But uh, we have uh, we have enjoyed our relationship with you, creating content for you, and we are so excited to be able to do it again for another year. And I'm so glad you were able to join me, Trey. I I sure appreciate it, Miss Joy, and we have we feel the same way. You know, we we really 
enjoy and appreciate what you guys stand for and and we're one of the companies you know we just don't work with anybody um yeah. and that's not we're not saying that to be snooty but the people mm-hmm. that we do work with their values have to mirror ours because right with us not putting ourselves out there on purpose you know when they see you they see jeb's chokes and that's mm-hmm. with any product you know you are who represents you um for yeah. better or worse and if if like I say, if they don't know us, they just equate you to Jeff's Chase. And the people that we work with, they have to align with who we are. Um, right. And we we really appreciate you guys and what you guys stand for and everything like that. It's it's been a really good partnership for the both of us. Well, I look forward to many more uh, many more years, and and we'll have to get you back on the podcast, and uh, we'll talk about some new interesting things very very soon. I hope y'all have a great Thanksgiving. And uh, we'll be talking to you soon. Yes, sir. I sure appreciate it. Like I said, having us on, and we all do. Dad, Miss Jimmy, and I. We just we're yeah. appreciative that you you had me on here. And like I say, if there's anything we can do to help, you know, your family, yep. you call us. Yep, I will do it. Thank you so much, Trey. Yes, sir. See you, Miss Joy. Right. All right, buddy. Thank you, Trey, for taking time out of your hectic workday to talk to us. We appreciate your attention to detail and your commitment to quality uh, that you guys are known for. And we wish you and your family there at Jeb's all the success in the world. You guys head over to jebschoketubes.com. Look them up on Facebook or Instagram. Great products made by absolutely wonderful people. We would also like to thank Edge Duck Boats, Tahatsu Outboards, Retay Shotguns, Apex Ammunition, Sitka Gear, Traeger Grills, and of course, Jeb's Choke Tubes. For supporting Passionate Pursuit and Revelation Outdoors Waterfowl Ministry, without the help of these companies, we could not do what we do. So I humbly ask you, our listening audience, to support the companies that support us. We appreciate it. Finally, don't forget to subscribe to the show. Leave us a five-star rating wherever you listen on the interwebs. It helps us continue to keep climbing up the rankings. And if you wouldn't mind, please share the show on your Instagram or Facebook pages. Share it with a hunting buddy. We really appreciate that too so that's all the time we have thank you all so much keep listening keep on sharing we love you and until next episode bye bye y'all